Let's pray and we're going to get started. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the friendships in this room. Thank you for the relationships in this room. Thank you that you are here with us, that um, as we are wrapping up our study on Proverbs 3, that God, you have been here from the beginning and your word speaks as much now today in 2021 as it did thousands of years ago when it was written for the first time. So thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. I just ask that you would be present with us tonight. And um, yeah, I just, what I've been praying all week and, and all day today about this, that you just draw the hearts of those who need to be drawn to you. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, we started this journey of Proverbs 3, and um, I get to wrap it up with a really encouraging talk on anger. I was Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dom. Yeah, I, um, I was like, wow, this is such a weird way to wrap up this chapter. And yay me that I get to talk about anger. Um, but I'm also, as I started like studying it and processing it and reading it, I got a little bit excited. Um, so if you guys are new tonight, there are um, notes on your tables. Feel free to grab them. Um, so I'm just going to read the, the passage out of Proverbs, and we're going to jump into it. It says, Proverbs 3, it says, Do not envy the violent, or choose any of their ways. For the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Um, if you guys need extra ones, too, there's extra up here if you want to grab some. So, um... So yeah, so I was like, do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. That seems pretty straightforward. And I was like, I can do that. I can not envy the violent. Violence feels very easy to not want to do, right? It feels like I'm not going to want to run up to somebody and punch them. Like I'm not about to, you know, be on Ford's Road in the middle of the street in a fight. You won't see me there. Maybe you'll see me there. Probably not. Hopefully not. Um, so it feels like violence is very easy to say no to, but then when it gets a little bit, the next verse says he detests the perverse, and that when that word perverse has this idea of deceitfulness involved in it, so I was like, okay, I can maybe see how this applies a little bit more to me, that God doesn't want me to be deceitful in any way, um, and then it talks about the wicked, and it talks about proud mockers, and I was like, proud mockers? What are mockers? And so when I looked into that word, that word has this idea of someone who's really mouthy, someone who says has a lot to say, and none of it is very positive. And I was like, okay, now I could definitely fit in the category of mouthy. I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of opinions, and sometimes I share them, whether or not the people around me want to hear them. So I was like, okay, I can see kind of where this gets going and where God is going with it. But the one thing that I think is in the scripture but is never actually said is that behind violence, behind perversity, behind mockery, there's the emotion of anger. And so we're going to land on anger tonight because you are never violent out of a place of peace. No one's ever violent out of a place of peace. No one is deceitful out of a place of truth, right, and honesty. No one, is, um, no one gets into an argument and is mouthy and loud because they're um, having unity with the person that they're arguing with. Right? So behind each of these things, there's this anger, there's this desire to have something that I don't have yet, or to have my voice heard above the other voices in the room. And um, in April, there was, some, there was a situation I was in that was very, just very appropriate and kind of summarized this. So in April, 
I was in a parking garage in Atlanta. I had taken my daughter and her best friend down there for their spring break. We were having a great time, and our hotel was right next to this parking garage. So we were getting ready to go out to one of our like millionth trip to the malls, and um, we had to stop because there was a white car in front of us, a white SUV, and the woman who was driving it was arguing with the parking attendant. And I don't have any idea what she was arguing with him about, but she had parked her car right in front of the gate, and he was not letting her out. I don't know if she hadn't paid her ticket, I don't know what the situation was. But she was escalating the conversation, it was getting louder and louder, and they were yelling at each other across the parking garage. And I was literally sitting behind them like, we just want to go to the mall. <laughs> like, can we just move the car and you guys continue this? But they were not, she would not move. She was not interested in hearing what he had to say. There was no resolution coming in that moment. And so we had to sit there probably for a good 20 minutes before eventually she was finally moving the car. But the one thing that that story and that moment was clear to me, made clear to me, was that anger makes it hard to move forward. And that's your first fill in the blank. Should be your first slide. Anger makes it hard to move forward. That's kind of like a very silly kind of, you know, moment in time that we've all experienced. We've all had those moments where we've either seen or been around people who don't want to move out of the place they're in because they feel like that's their right to have that place. And then the other day, I was driving down Timberlake Avenue, Timberlake Road. I was minding my business. I was on the phone on speakerphone with my friend, going to Kroger, just having like the chattiest chat, laughing and having a great time. And this motorcycle <laughs> pulls up to me, next to me, and like I normally don't see anyone when I drive, you guys. If I see you out or you see me out in Lynchburg and I don't wave at you, it's not because I don't love you or I'm trying to be rude, it's because I literally have no idea that you're there. Yeah. Just know that. <laughs> it's something that people have confronted me about and I'm like, I don't know how to change it, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but so, but I did actually catch this guy out of the periphery of my eye because he was like kind of doing that like pull ahead and pull back thing. And I looked over and it was a guy on a motorcycle with a helmet on. So I was like, maybe it's somebody I know. And then he did like this. And I was like, oh, cool. So I did this back to him. <laughs> and then he was like, he shook his head and he pointed at my phone. And then he did this. And he was telling me off because I was talking on my phone. And I was like... All right, guy, that I don't know, probably be on your way. Everything is fine here. Um, so the second fill in the blank for you guys is that anger makes it hard to communicate well. Anger makes it hard to communicate well. I was on this vibe of like, yeah, we're cool, we're friends. And like, I don't know what the shock actually means, but right back at you, my friend. Um, <laughs> if anyone knows, please tell me after. <laughs> um, but he was definitely trying to communicate that I was not doing something he thought was safe, even though it was safe. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> um, so anger, we were, not, we were not communicating on the same wavelength. Anger makes it hard to communicate well. And then you guys, this is the best story. Like two weeks ago, I was at the coffee cup having breakfast with my friend. We were having a really good conversation. Once again, minding my business, okay? And I was wearing the Love Your Neighbor shirt that we have here at Blue Ridge, and just sitting there talking, and this man came up to me, older man, a little bit of white hair going on, and he looks at me and he says, I loved my neighbor once, and I got caught. And I was like, no, <laughs> okay, all right. Sorry about that. And then, yeah, and then he kept going. He was like, so don't love your neighbor. It doesn't go well. I was like, okay. And then he said it again, like, don't love your neighbor. And I was like, 
Thank you, sir. Have a good day. <laughs> I didn't know what to say to that. Like, I'm sorry. So here's the thing. I could have lived my whole life without knowing that information, you know? So your next fill in the blank is that anger can cause foolishness. Anger can cause foolishness. So here's the thing. When scripture says don't envy the violent or choose any of their ways, God is asking you not only not to choose violence, but not to choose things that are going to keep you stuck, not to choose things that are going to keep you in a place where you're not communicating well with your, your family and your friends. God is asking you not to choose something that's going to make you look foolish. Those are the ways of the, of the angry. So here's the thing. We're called to follow Jesus, and following Jesus means that we do what he did. And what did he do? When he was insulted, he didn't open his mouth, right? When he was hit, he turned the other cheek, right? When he was beaten, he forgave them. He forgave the men that crucified him. That is radical love and compassion. And yet at the same time, Jesus is the one who threw the tables over in the temple. And so how do we balance these two ideas of who Jesus is? We we're called to follow him, but the scripture describes God as sometimes being angry. And I don't think that anger in and of itself is a sin. So how do we be angry and sin not? That's my question. And out of that question, I came up with these two cycles. Um, and I wanted to talk to you guys about them tonight. They're not perfect, so feel free to disagree with them. This is not doctrine. This is mostly my opinion. Um, so I think that most anger, human anger, starts with an incident. Something happens that makes us mad, right? For the man on the motorcycle, I was talking on my phone. That made him angry. So then in our humanity, what happens when someone like offends us? What happens when someone pushes our buttons? What's our first instinct? It's to communicate that, right, in a not so great way, perhaps, or to get revenge for, for ways that we think we've been done wrong. So if we have an incident and then we lash out or we get revenge, and lashing out could look all kinds of ways. Sometimes lashing out, depending on your personality, just means you give people the cold shoulder and you don't speak to them. Sometimes lashing out means that you do speak to them in a very unkind way and let them know what they did and where they need to go with it, right? So lashing out can have, um, there's a bunch of things that could go underneath this category. But what does this normally get us in response? If I'm angry at Haley, and I go to Haley and I tell her what she did to me and where she can go with that, what's Haley gonna feel like on the receiving end of that? Not great, right? We're not building communication and community here. So there's gonna be a negative response from Haley to what I'm saying and doing to her. And that may cause another incident. Our relationship's not gonna get healed. And if there's another incident between Haley and I, and her, as, as part of her response to me, and she's also in this cycle, then we're just gonna continue in this cycle of anger towards each other, and nothing's gonna get healed. Nothing's gonna be made well. So here's where I think the difference is. Here's how to have righteous anger. The incident happens, right? Instead of, in that moment, sorry, can you guys not see? I can move this up. This thing has been falling over for two weeks, so if it falls down, apologies. Um, in, instead of lashing out, 
instead of doing what's our first knee-jerk response, our human response, what if we take that incident into prayer? What if we take that incident to God and say, hey, Holy Spirit, help me with this, because I don't know, actually, what to do. And then, is it possible that out of that prayer, we could have a compassionate response towards the person and the incident that made us angry? And what could that look like? So I've been using a lot of personal examples, right? But I've been thinking about specifically Jesus in the temple and his response of turning the tables over and throwing the money changers out. How, would that, how is that a compassionate response? And I think this is where it is. Jesus threw them out because he, they were taking advantage of the poor and the people that wanted to come into the temple and worship God. So he was standing up in his moment of righteous anger for those who were being oppressed and used. And that, that correction of them was actually a compassionate response out of his justice and love, right? So here's the thing. What kind of incidents could move us towards compassion and responses? Like, there's some easy ones. Righteous anger is when we see people uh, being abused, like human trafficking or, um, you know, situations where you see maybe people who are disabled not being treated well, things like that. Things where we're moved easily into compassionate responses. Those are easy things to say that's righteous anger. It's a little more difficult when we get into the murky grayness of our relationships, right? And the things that make us angry on a day-to-day basis. But the thing is, scripture says that a soft answer turns away wrath. And it talks a lot, talks a lot about how to interact with each other on a daily basis to those irritating people that know how to push all our buttons, especially if they're in our family, especially if they're in our friendship circles. We're always called as Christ followers to the compassionate response. And that might create a new incident. What if the compassionate response, so using my example with Haley, if I went to Haley instead of lashing out and being like, girl, you know what you did. What if I said, Haley, hey, like you just, I don't think you meant this, but this is what happened from my perspective and it hurt my feelings and could you help me understand how you meant that and can we work on this together? What kind of relationship building is that that's different, right? So Haley's knee-jerk response may not be in that moment to be like, oh my goodness, this girl, Instead, she's gonna, if we love each other, she's going to want to meet us halfway, and we're going to build that relationship. Even to people that you don't love and know deeply, having a compassionate response shows wisdom. And wisdom is noticed, whether it's the workplace, whether it's your family members, whether it's just people in the church. Wisdom is noticeable, and the people around you will know it and see it. Unrighteous anger moves us towards violence that's either emotional or physical because it's selfish. At its root, it's selfish. It's about us and what we want. And it's a circle of brokenness. Righteous anger moves us towards acts of compassion and kindness and it's a circle of love. The people of God are meant to be known for our love. Jesus prayed for that. He said he wanted us to be known by our love. And this is my question, 2021. Are we hitting the mark overall? I think that maybe we could all maybe perhaps agree that no, we are not. Violent anger keeps us stuck in our cycle, which is, it goes back to that first point that you guys wrote down that um, anger makes it hard to move forward. And I, I wanted to go a little bit deeper with that because I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I have seen that angry people are angry all the time, right? Like everything makes them mad. The people who are angry 
and respond out of anger seem to live that way perpetually. And almost it's the way that they communicate. And sometimes I feel like when I've been in conversation with people like that, that they don't know how to not communicate in that way. So there's a quote that I copied, and I didn't, I should have sourced it, but I copied it off of a, a blog from a psychology site. It says, addictions fall into two categories, substance and process. The former through the abuse of alcohol and drugs. The latter, behaviors such as gambling, hoarding, spending, eating disorders, workaholics, codependence, and surprisingly, inappropriate use of the normal human emotion of anger. And so what is true, guys, is that people who are perpetually angry and respond in anger to all situations are addicted to the response they get from it in their brain. Anger actually creates dopamine. They get a rush from it. So does that help explain some of the insanity on social media right now? People are getting a rush from engaging in anger on these social media websites, and that is feeding their desire to go back in and do it again. People are getting a rush from their outrage. Um, and I, I know personally that seeing anger in your home, in your parents growing up, can cause generational cycles. So as we think about anger when we're filtering it, we're not just affecting ourselves, we're affecting the people around us and our children and the generations to come. So I wanted to share with you guys just a little bit of what that looked like for me because I definitely was stuck um, because of my dad's anger. So I grew up in a house where my parents were missionaries, but my parents both came from brokenness. My dad specifically, my grandmother was a drug addict, my biological grandmother's a drug addict, and my dad bounced around from like place to place and house to house from when he was very young. Um, and so because of that, I mean, therapy wasn't a thing in my parents' generation. People didn't talk about it, people didn't do it, unless you were really ill. It was like one of those, go to the asylum, have electroshock therapy. That was more like what that was. And so my dad didn't ever deal with his stuff, and that came out in our family in two ways. It came out in physical abuse, and it came out in verbal abuse. So I remember my dad screaming a lot. I remember him hitting my brother specifically a lot, because a lot of it was directed at my brother. Um, and because I witnessed that as a kid, I was like, I for sure am not ever going to do this. And so what I did was clamp down on my emotions. I was like, my emotions are not going to control my behavior. So I clamped down on those emotions. And to this day, you guys, I've done some work to work on it a little bit. But that clamping down has kept me from not, it's kept me from really lashing out. But it hasn't really kept me from being able to feel. It kept me from the freedom to feel and express for a, a number of years. So I got stuck in not only not wanting to be angry, but I just got stuck in not being able to feel and share my emotions very easily. And so that goes back to that relational death, that violence that anger can cause. Um, so I wanted to share with you guys a video. This is Dr. Cloud. He's one of my favorite Christian psychologists. And he is talking about Proverbs. And he says some things that go with what we're talking about. One. He's a great speaker. OK. Hey, guys. Welcome to Vintage. Good to be, um, well actually I, I come here, so um, I just changed seats this morning, but I'll change with any of you if you want to hop up and do this for me. That's, uh, so um, uh, a lot of us don't, don't know each other. My name's Henry, and I'm a psychologist actually, and um, I don't know why your phone's ringing, if we could, yeah, well let's put it on, 
Okay, sorry guys, my friend, I didn't check this before I put this video in. He just ripped the whole video for me and it's 46 minutes, so I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> sorry about that. So, what is a foolish, or what, let's just, you know, let's kind of create a category here. Now, I'm not saying everybody's this and this and this. What I, what I really believe is all of us have kind of segments of all three of these in us that can be activated at any point. Some of us get defensive at times, some of us will listen at times. Sometimes we do get kind of, you know, destructive fantasies when we're really hurt or whatever. But by and large, you know, we want to end up in the listening category. But if you have this second category, the Proverbs refers to as a fool or a mocker. Now, this is the person, you know, the wise person did what? Owned their behavior, listened, corrected, thanked you, they're grateful. <clears throat> fool is exactly the opposite. Whereas a wise person, you, when the light comes to them, they adjust themselves to the light. The fool, when the light comes to them, or the truth comes to them, they don't adjust themselves. They turn down the lights. They adjust the light, meaning they're going to do something with the feedback to make it wrong. How do you do that? You minimize it. Well, I didn't really do that. That's not true. You invalidate it. You get defensive. Or you turn on the messenger. Give somebody feedback. Well, that's because you, and it's immediately, I like to say to people, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about you. Would you like to change the topic to me and then we'll get back to you? Because that defensiveness that immediately turns it back. So there's a lack of ownership. There's a lack of even openness. There's an immediate defensiveness like a trigger. Minimizing, gaslighting. You've heard the term gaslighting, for example. You know, blaming, excusing. But nothing even close to listen. As the marriage researcher Gottman has shown, one of the four behaviors that predicts to a 93% accuracy, I think, they can listen to a couple talk for 15 minutes, and within 15 minutes predict with a 92 or 3% accuracy whether or not that couple will be divorced in seven years. And one of the behaviors is this one. 90-something percent accuracy. Researched over gazillions of cases over many decades. I mean, how do you make a marriage better if you can't talk? And if something's hurting, and somebody says it hurts, and immediately there's defensiveness, well, then you're stuck with the hurt, right? So here's the characteristics. Remember I said, correct a wise person, and they'll be wiser still, Here's what Proverbs says. <clears throat> Rebu rebuke a fool, correct a fool, and they will mock you 
for it. So I need to say there, rebuke a fool and they will mock you for it. And then what does Proverbs 3 say? He mocks proud mockers. That way of being mouthy, of being able to like have a real quick comeback to people without hitting that pause button and praying, that is a path into foolishness, guys. It's a path for us to look foolish and to make foolish choices. And we don't want to do that. James 1, 19 through 20 on your, on your notes page says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And that is your next fill in the blank. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. <clears throat> because I am my father's child and I have a high sense of justice, I can quickly go to anger, especially when I think I'm right. I know I'm not the only one in this room who feels that way. And so God took me on a little bit of a journey many years ago of saying, Crystal, you might be right, but your human anger is not going to produce the righteousness that God wants in your life. Your way of responding in this human anger cycle of lashing out or being mouthy is getting a negative response and is not honoring me. You're not honoring me with your life. And so I memorized just that phrase, that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Because I found that in those moments when I felt that like anger rising, I just wanted to tell someone how wrong they were. That if I had that scripture to pull up real quick, it was easy for me to hit the pause button and step back and pray about how to respond. And we talk a lot about taking captive our thoughts and controlling our emotions and things like that. And this is how to do that, you guys. This is a practical way. Memorize scripture. That's part of the reason why I had you guys memorize this year. Is because if we memorize it, if we put it in our hearts, it's going to come out when we need it. In the moments where we can't just grab a Bible and, you know, or pull up our phone. In those moments when emotions are high, if it's already in here, it's going to come out. And I guess my final question about this scripture, when I was putting it all together, is all of this is good, and all of this is true, but what's the difference between, like, a self-help book about anger and this? Like, what is the difference? And this is your last fill in the blank. This is the difference. A changed heart is found in Christ alone. I don't want to end this series, you guys, even though it's been a series on Proverbs and wisdom, I don't want to end this series without talking about who Jesus is and why it's important for us to know that and why it's important for us to know what he wants for us and from us. Um, I, I've told you guys my story, so I'm going to tell it again. If you've heard it 3,000 times, apologies, but sorry, not sorry. Um, so growing up in a Christian home, even though my dad was angry, we went to church all the time. We were missionaries. I grew up religious. I knew the right things to say. I knew the right things to do. I got baptized when I was 12 because my dad wanted me to. It was a whole situation, like almost drowned, feet kicking, a whole thing. Not what I wanted, right? My changed heart came when I was 15. And my changed heart came when I was at the end of my religious self. I was lonely. I was living in a home that was angry. And my friend had this vibrant relationship with God. She talked to him like he was her best friend. She talked to him like... He was um, right there next to her, and it was a loving, intimate relationship. 
that she had with God. And I wanted that. And so in my nerdy 15-ness, I sat in my room, and I was like, okay, Lord, you can, I was like, Jesus, you could have my whole life if you'll give me that intimate relationship with you. And he did. And he gave it to me. And that's what, that's the difference, you guys, between being in this cycle of like, I'm gonna try really, really hard to break that human anger and read all the books and do all the things and go to all the therapies and all of that stuff is good, but I'm telling you without the power of the Holy Spirit behind that stuff, it only takes you so far. It only takes you so far. I know this because I've seen people get healed and whole, not just through doing therapy and doing the things that we should do, but also through finding Christ and having the power of the Holy Spirit blow through those therapy sessions and blow through the changes that you're trying to make. So a changed heart, you guys, being able to break this human anger, it doesn't just come from reading your Bible. It doesn't just come from going to church. You could do that a lot and not change. It has to come from a change in the inside out and the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. John 18, 36, I didn't put this on your sheets, but it's Jesus, and he says, my kingdom, he's talking to Pilate. This is when he's in front of Pilate. And Pilate asks him if he's a king. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. I just want to share that with you guys. Like, all this stuff, <laughs> I saw this meme today. I was going through my, Inst I don't know if you guys ever scroll back to your Instagram. I like to just as like relive old memories. And I saw this thing I had posted, and it was like the United States with a picture of Michael Scott kind of biting his lip in like, oh, it's a moment. I was like, yeah, I still feel like we're still in that moment. I still feel like... <laughs> The world itself is just kind of in chaos. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter. It's easy to get caught up in the chaos and the news cycles and the things on social media that people are talking about. But as Christ followers, if we know Jesus, and even as people who are not Christ followers yet, like if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I don't know where I'm at with God, that moment's gonna come because there's another life coming. There's an eternity coming. And that stuff matters. So I want to just say this with you guys and share it with you that to remember that Jesus came and he wasn't like, all right, let's get everybody riled up. Let's go take the Roman Empire down. We're going to do this thing. He died because he wasn't planning on this temporary world being where his feet were planted and where he was bringing all of us. He was planning on the next one. And as Christ followers, our eyes need to be fixed on what's coming, not what's now. So... Because I'm a really uh, an organized person this week, I did not write your three questions down. So here's your three questions. If table people, if you want to write them down. The first question is, where are you in the anger cycle? Where do you fall? Do you, are you more human anger? Are you working and seeing results in like the more righteous anger side of things? Where are you at? The second question is, where are you at with Jesus, and do you have questions about it? And if you do have questions about it, guys, I will stay here till midnight if you want to talk to me. Jana will stay here till midnight if you want to talk to her. Totally throwing her in the bus. April, Savannah, Dawn, all of us here who have a relationship with you, Emma back there, who know Jesus and have known him for a long time, we're happy to talk to you guys. We love you. So... Um, 